read together in Matthew 16. It's quite a lengthy passage. I'll read it here, and you can just follow over there. So I'm mainly going to focus from verse 21, but I want to read from verse 15. So just to, because you've got to understand like a bit of the backstory of what's happening here. Uh, so Jesus starts off, but what he, um, he, he, he basically asks, who do you say I am? And then he says in verse 15, what, is, what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell, you, um, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell or the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be uh, bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosened in heaven. I mean, this is quite, imagine you're Peter. Huh? Imagine it. I, I, I wish I was him in that moment. Is it just me? Jesus like, who do you say I am? And Peter's like, oh, you are the Messiah, the Son. You know? And then he's like, blessed are you, Simon Peter. Blessed are you, Peter. <laughs> you know, and he goes like, man, God has showed you something that the others don't see. And on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail it. And whatever you loose in heaven, you will, you know, loose on earth. And whatever you bind in heaven, you know, you, you, and that's quite a like, woohoo! That's like a yes, man, I made it. <laughs> Finally, Jesus is giving me the keys to the kingdom. You know, you're like, oh, yes, I made it. Then he ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. And you're like, okay, well, well, verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples. So this is, look, Peter just had this awesome revelation. Jesus told him, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever that means, you know, we're not going to speak about that, but it's, it's nice. All right? It's not a keys to a new polo or a new, you know, it's a keys to the kingdom. That's the keys I want. Also maybe a, like a nice GTI or something, but uh, where's Boots? <laughs> uh, so from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And yet he must be killed and on the third day he'll be raised to life. So now Jesus is saying, guys, so this is what's going to happen. They're going to take me. They're going to kill me. But I'm going to rise again on the third day. So it's not just doom and gloom. He's even saying, look, I'm going to rise again. Verse 22. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Look, have you ever thought about rebuking Jesus? <laughs> Maybe don't stick up your hands. But who has ever, in your quiet time, you're like, Jesus, I don't think you're getting it. I know I felt like it at times, to be honest. You know, you're thinking, Lord, what are you doing? Now Peter's going like, and he, he, he literally says, he took him aside. He's like, so there's like people. He said it, and he's like, no, no, Jesus, hey, I don't think you're getting it. Jesus, you're wrong. He rebukes him. It's not just he disagrees slightly. Do you know what the word rebuke means? It's like, he goes for it. He rebukes Jesus. You're thinking, what, what are you thinking? This shall never happen. Peter is thinking, what, I, what, you're the Messiah. You can't die. You're missing it, Jesus. And in verse 23, Jesus turned and said to Peter, get 
behind me, Satan. That's from zero to zero in a moment. That's how you go from zero to zero. Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. Imagine Jesus comes to you and says, you're a stumbling block to me. Like, oh, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, get behind me, Satan. He's thinking, yo, Lord, you're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Verse 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels. And then he will reward each person according to what they have done. That's like an interesting end. But and I want to focus on this thing. Get behind me, Satan. That phrase that Jesus used. And I wanna, can everyone say the following with me? I'm going to say, sounds like Satan to me. Sounds three. One, two, three. Sounds like Satan to me. Okay, let's do it again. One, two, three. Sounds like Satan to me. Okay, let's do it one more time. Okay, one more time. One, two, three. Sounds like Satan to me. You've got to get you know, getting a bit more enthusiastic. And I want to make a couple of points here. Peter didn't need to go and get deliverance. Look, Jesus is calling him, get behind me, Satan. It's not that he started to go manifest and now he needs to go for deliverance. I do believe in deliverance. Honestly, we need a lot more of it. But in this moment, it's not that Jesus was saying, you are literally Satan in this moment and we need to go and cast some things out. It was, Jesus was merely recognizing that Peter has been listening to the voice of Satan in this moment. He says, that, that voice that I'm hearing, that's Satan's voice. And how many times in our lives do we, do we think it's a good idea, but it's actually Satan's voice? And we're giving people advice. Is, is it the Lord's voice? Is it the Lord's wisdom we're giving, or is it Satan's? Huh? All those, I'm running ahead of myself, all those thoughts we're having. So, man, we need to be going like, get behind me, Satan. We need to recognize when is it the voice of God and when is it the voice of Satan. So, look, just a disclaimer, it might sound a bit like I'm going to major on Satan this morning. It's not the idea, but we need to recognize when the devil is speaking. Because if we can recognize it, we can defeat it. But if we're just going to sit, honestly, I think, man, as the church, not just us, as the church, I think the devil is having a field day with guys. You, we're thinking he's somewhere there in the court and crying, like, oh, he's going at us. And we, we're not seeing it. And the battle is up here. He's really going at us. And we need to recognize and say, no. Jesus could have gone, okay, well, Peter, let me, no, but he recognized it was the voice of Satan in this moment. It was called, it's like it was a stumbling block for Jesus. Because he knows he's going to go and be killed. And now Peter, his great disciples, like, you're missing it. I'm sure if Jesus could have gone like, maybe I am missing it. He says, no, you're a stumbling block to me. Why did Jesus say you're a stumbling block? We're thinking, Jesus, surely you won't stumble. And you see the sense of Peter kind of feeling out of control. He, he had this urge to pull Jesus inside. It's like, no, 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 you're missing it. How many times have you had that? You almost get this uncomfortable feeling like, no, this can't be. That is not faith. 
faith and fear cannot be in like the same room. If you've got, you know, if someone says something that you disagree with and you start, you, I don't, yeah. if someone says something that's wrong, you can have confidence that God will come and make a way. Someone once said this, the Bible is like a lion. It doesn't need anyone to defend it. And I'm like the same, the truth is like a lion. You don't need to defend it. It can defend itself. Now, yes, there are people that are called to, you know, God uses people to be those that fight for the faith and all that, and we need to contend for the faith. But it's not like unless I say something, the whole of humanity forever from now on will miss the truth. It's oftentimes in that the devil comes like, no, you need to go, you know, not just us. I'm sure Peter had all these feelings. Put yourself in Peter's shoes. You know, what did he feel? You know, I've, I've given up everything for this guy. He is the Messiah. I've seen the healings. Now he says something that I don't like. You start to feel a bit out of control. Another point I want to make out of this, Jesus addressed it right there and right then. Jesus didn't wait. So how many times do we do this? Like, I'll, I'll process this tomorrow, or I'll think about that. Uh, Jesus recognized it, and he addressed it. No, that is the voice of Satan. Sometimes we're a bit too scared, you know. We're a bit too scared to call, not, and this is the thing, we're not calling one another out, we're calling, look, you're listening to the wrong voice here. I don't know if you guys know the, the story of the Trojans and the Greeks. I call, uh, there was this movie way back, Troy, that's like, I wouldn't suggest watching it, but for those that did, you know. <laughs> so what happened, basically at the end, um, the one army, they're trying to take over the city and they realize, well, they, they can't do it. It's, the walls are too big, they can't get in. So they say, you know what? So let's call them Army A. So Army A is like, no, we can't get Army B. So we're go- what we're gonna do, is we're gonna act like we're running away and we're gonna leave them a gift. We're leaving them this big horse, so that's where you get the concept of a Trojan horse. Right? We're leaving him this big horse and saying, look, they made it out of wood. Right? This is a gift to you, you want us, we're gonna run away, you win, sorry, we shouldn't have come in the first place. And then the guys are like, oh, we won. And they look at this horse and he's like, this is actually quite a great gift, we won. And they take the thing into the city and that, no- that day and night they're like, having uh, the biggest braai that you can ever imagine in your life, and they're partying because they just won. They defended their city. They have conquered the enemy, and they all go to bed, and in the middle of the night, there were, I don't know how many, but there was a bunch of soldiers in that horse, uh, this wooden horse. They were hiding in there, and when everyone went to sleep, they snuck out. They went and they killed all the guards, like those that were still awake. They opened the gates of that city, and that whole army just rushed in and demolished them. Like, that is, like, that's the whole city was burned to the ground, right? And this concept of the Trojan horse, I think sometimes the devil does that. He goes like, oh, you've won me. And then he just sneaks back in. He's not, he's, he, I don't want to give him too much credit, but we got to recognize he's going at us. How can you fight an enemy that you don't even think is there? And that was what happened. The guys were like, no, we won. There's no more enemy. Great. We need to recognize, when are these Trojan horses? When are these thoughts coming from within? And I want to look at the... uh, Look, Satan does this. He takes a good thing. Who of you think it was wrong for Peter to suggest to Jesus 
that he maybe should not go and die. Does anyone think I was wrong? Well, except theologically, we know. Now, would you also maybe have done the same, going like, maybe don't go and die, yeah, yourself? Peter, yeah? Yeah, hands going up all over the place. Uh, honestly, we're looking back and we're seeing, oh, Peter, you, why did you do that? But imagine one of you guys, or imagine I go to one of you and say, I'm going to go to this city and I'm going to go and die and it's going to be quite bad. And you'll probably go like, no, 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 don't, don't do that. I hope you will. Sorry, let me just, okay. <laughs> let me just clarify. My, oh, yes. I hope you will. So Satan takes this good idea, the preservation of life. Do, do we all agree that preservation of life is a good thing, preserving life? We don't want people to die. Because, yeah? I hope so. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Isel. That is a good thing. Stewardship, taking care of your stuff, that is a good thing. Time management, that is a very good thing. Some of you need to do it more, but, you know, that is a good thing. Humility, humility is a very good thing, isn't it? We need to be humble, right? That's a good thing. Wisdom. Wisdom is a good thing. We need to be wise how we handle these situations. The devil will come and take a good thing and try and twist it. He's going to try and take a good thing and just go where God's not going with it. It was a good thing for Jesus, you know, for, for there to not be deaf. But in the sight of God, no. The best thing is for Jesus to go to the cross for us. Now, oftentimes we can glorify God through ways we don't even think. In our wisdom, it would be correct to save up money, you know, get investments, and be good stewards. But then Jesus says, be generous. Now, if you've spent time with me long enough, I'll probably try to challenge you. What have you given recently? Not finances, really. I don't know. What have, have you ever given something away? Because I love it. It's challenging. Oh, it also why when, when you need it's like, oh, no. But it is good. It's a good thing. And the devil's coming. No, 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 no. Just, just keep your stuff. Just keep your stuff. I'll, I'll balance it later. Don't worry. <laughs> you just stick with me. Don't you worry. Let's all say again, sounds like Satan to me on three. One, two, three. Sounds like Satan to me. Okay. I can see Peter cringing every time. <laughs> okay, so I want to look at two areas. When Satan, no, three areas, sorry. When Satan speaks through your family. Now, it's things like, you can't give this much. You need to be a good steward. You know, things like, you can't let people use you like that. They're always just having community at your house. When, when are they going to give something back to you? Huh? Have you heard that? Don't let them walk over you. Have you, did you. have you ever heard Jesus say that? Do you ever see Jesus teaching, don't let them walk over you? No. He goes low. He says, well, walk. He, he goes to the cross. That is the definition of letting them walk over him and then in our family oh, no. look god god is the one that fights for us we do not need to defend ourselves you know god will if 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 people do abuse you now i'm not speaking physically that's a different story like if they're using you for stuff look it's not yours anyway all everything is god's in the first place it's like lord which i'm just tool in your hand and we need to recognize 
You know? When, last year we went to Ireland and we literally sold Gabby's car to go, right? No, I'm not, so everything, a lot of people said, no, no, you need the second car. Don't do that. That is not wise. That is not good stewardship. But that's what God said. And we do it. You know, <laughs> sorry if I'm sipping on toes here, right? But sometimes your family would even come with the, you don't love us. Uh, like, you, you know, you love the church more than you love us. That is, that is like a close to home one, I know. And we need to recognize that. Look, if, if that comes up, let's chat about it. Let's have this conversation. We need to love our families. But our spiritual family is the real family. Now, Jesus literally says, who is my father? Who is my mother? He's not saying it to be rhetorical. He's saying, look, my f- family is my spiritual family first. And if my, if my earthly family is with me in the church, then great. But if not, I'm, I'm in the spiritual family. And I love the song we sang, you know, I speak Jesus over my family. And I do believe we need to speak Jesus over our family. Going, like, Lord, you need to come and save them. And we fight for them. And we spend time with them. But f- fundamentally, our family is this. This, our spiritual family. This, I love the way Temba says it. Yeah, our spiritual family. You always say that. I love that. It's actually so profound. Eh? Or this, you need to do something with your life. Your par- you know, your, maybe your parents or your family members say what, what did God call you to? I look, I, w- I, went, I went to Bible school, right? <laughs> uh, you know how many times I've heard that. What are you doing with your life? As, and I didn't, you know, I had to get my degree separately. It's not like you go to Bible school to get a degree. Those that were in Team T, uh, is that an amen, Peter? Yeah. And there's always this thing, but God said, I'm, I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to listen to the voice of Satan. Now, look, it's not your family is Satan. But we need to recognize, is this the voice of God or is this the voice of Satan? I know this sounds harsh, but I want to take this thing on, man. The devil has been having a field day with the church. We need to stand up and fight. What's this passivity like? No, stand up and fight. Jesus, it's for freedom that he paid. It's for freedom that he set us free. He didn't die there on the cross going like, Sterte. No, man. He, he called us to, to rise up. He's calling us to fight. You know, it's something I love of Francia. When you ever spend time with him, he's like, man, we're going for it. We need to rise up and fight. We're taking back the ground the devil stole. Like the, and that's the thing. The devil comes like, no, no, just calm down a bit. And I'm sure even as I'm preaching this, there's thoughts going in your mind. Oh, Paul, yeah, calm down a bit. Oh, he hasn't used, he's only used one scripture so far, you know, where's, where's the expository teachings? And Go forward in the kingdom, man. Like, even right now, I'm maybe saying stuff about your family, like, oh, don't touch my family. Listen, this is the devil in this moment even going, like, trying to distract you, trying to bring the vision. We need to advance, we need to move forward, say, Lord, we will not just lay down and let the devil kick us. We will rise up. You know, when Satan speaks through the media, you know, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, all those things, I'm, I have some of it. My wife wants me to watch the videos he sends me. <laughs> For those of you that are Insta- on Instagram, you open that thing where they send you messages, what's that, the DM? I'm very old, you know, and I see like hundreds of them just going, like, oh, Lord, help me. <laughs> you know, the media would tell us, you need this to be happy. 
You need these clothing. You need to look like this. You need to stay like this. Have you ever seen that like really nice European holiday on Instagram? You know, maybe Italy. What's it, the Almalfi Coast? Is that the one? Or maybe you go to Greece. You see the nice photos. Now, I remember when we went to Ireland last year, the first, that's the first time I'm going out of South Africa. Well, except Lesotho, but, you know, the first time I'm going, like, you're off the continent. I remember, like, yo, I'm going to Europe. And you get there, and it's cool, it is, but it's like, it's the same as there. Like, it's cool, but it's the same people, like, problems, and, you know, people are mean here and there, and it's like the same. But the devil uses media as like, no, this is, this is your ideal life. You know, the media, you, you get these guys that make these videos of speaking about passive income. You know? Have you ever seen those videos? You know, take these steps and you would spend like an hour watching this video on if you invest here and you take this course. and You, can, you know what the Bible says? Wealth gained hastily is wasted quickly. But the wise gather little by little. Paul says if you don't work, you don't eat. Unless you have a passive income. <laughs> I'm not against the idea of trying to get a passive income somewhere, but there's all these guys that, you know what, interesting, these guys that sell the courses, you know how they make money? You paying for the courses. It's not by their investing schemes. And maybe someone gets lucky. Maybe they invest in something and they make a lot of money. Sure. Melanie's like, <laughs> yeah, 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 amen. Is that an amen, Melanie? A little amen. A big amen. Okay. <laughs> And I'm, I'm, honestly, this is a big problem for the younger guys. This idea of get rich quick. It's been, it's been there all, all our life. Look, some of the older folks you know, there's always been a get rich quick scheme. And all over media, there's something of just get here, you know, do this, take this shortcut. Watch out for that thing. That's the devil trying to hook you. He's trying to get a love of money in you. Honestly, I'm at the point, if I see one of those videos, I rebuke the video. The guys are going to hear me. But I'm like, I will not listen to the devil in this moment. Get behind me, Satan, I'll take my phone away. <laughs> my wife's going to start hearing, get behind me, Satan, the whole day at the house now. <laughs> and the media says, you need to look like this to be happy. You need to do this to be happy. I remember growing up looking at these professional athletes, like soccer players and cyclists, and recently the CrossFit owns. And you always look at him, oh, if I could only be as good as them. Then I, I remember watching this one documentary of professional athletes and the things they go through. I'm going like, yo, Lord, I really don't want to do that. Even if I could, I don't think I can. But, but even if I could, that is so, like, it's such hard work. I mean, day, day in, day out, this, it becomes a job for them. It's not just a, it looks nice. But what do we see on the media? We just see the great celebrations and people loving them. And that is the devil trying to look at yourself and say, my life's a failure. Did you know with the, with the rise of social media, the rise of depression and, and even suicide increased? I, I, I don't know what the stats are on that, but there's it's this massive thing. As social media became a thing, especially in younger people, depression, suicide, all those things became increasingly more. Because the devil is using this thing and look, it's a good thing, you know, when you answer your WhatsApp, I know. Yeah. It, it can be a great thing. I can be thinking of, like, let me just Google that scripture, and, I, you know, it can be great. But the devil sees something great and says, okay, I'm going to use that. Now, I'm not saying let's all throw away our phones. Please don't, right? I feel like I want to sometimes. 
That's not the point. But to recognize that this can also be dangerous. If some of you need to delete some of your social media, do it. If you want to be violent with like, being godly, and I will not let the devil, I'm not going to lay down and let him kick me. Well, don't give him the tools to kick you with. I'm, I'm serious, you know. You say like, oh, I'm struggling with, you know, with depression, and I just always feel bad, and I, I know there's a medical side, but most of the time, honestly, it's because we're scrolling on Facebook and Instagram and just looking at everyone else's life, and we're like, oh, I'm such a failure. Look at their life. It's so great. You know, oh, if I can only, no, is it just me? And content. You know, busyness is one of, I think, probably top five of the devil's schemes. Right? The one is self-pity, one is busyness. How many times have you gone into, I'm going to have a quiet time now, I'm going to spend time with Jesus, and before you find yourself, you're doing this. If you can't see, I'm swiping my thumb. And you're scrolling. Is there anyone that does that sometimes? No? Amen, yeah, thank you. Or news, you know, it's not a new thing. Before there were cell phones, there was the newspaper. There was something. There was something that is content that the devil just tries to bombard you with stuff. If I can keep you distracted long enough just not to get to Jesus, I'm sorted. Sometimes the devil will try and take you out. Other times he just makes you busy. If I can just keep you busy, that's great. And now it even comes with, well, I've got this another job opportunity, and now it's even a good thing, and I need to feed my family, but it's going to keep me busy. In the, the, watch out. I know I'm stepping on some toes, just a little. And hear me on this. I'm speaking out of, I've seen this in my own life, but I've seen this in other people's lives as well. I'm not trying to tell you guys, you need to do better. We need to do better. You can ask my wife, yes, I also need to do better in this. But let's address it. Let's face it. Let's take it on. Thank you. <laughs> I've been waiting months for someone to say amen. <laughs> you know, when Satan speaks through your thoughts, so it's one thing, you know, through family and friends, and that's a bit sensitive because you love them, but family's got a way to rub you off the wrong way, eh? Is it, I mean, they're the closest people to you, but you or they've got away. It's just because it's almost like you feel safe there. Your guard's down. And then if something goes wrong, everyone just snaps, and then it's a bit messy. And I know. I know it's sensitive. But we got to, even in that, man, speak Jesus into our families. We, Lord, you need to be the center of our families. Families that I've seen work is when Jesus is in the middle. And not just in theory. Not like we're a Christian family with a Christian thing on the wall. But we never pray together. We never read Bible together. We never discuss things together. And I'm, I'm guilty of this as well. And I, I was speaking to someone this week, and I said, the one regret I really have with my relationship with Gabby was that I didn't bring Jesus into the relationship like better. I did, and we are Christians, and yes, we did speak. But I wish we read Bible together more and prayed together more before we got married. Because what happens, you get used to not speaking about Jesus, and then it becomes awkward when you want to. Now, I'm, I'm just being brutally honest. We've got this thing that we're, gonna, we're praying in tongues 10 minutes every day. Like, I don't know, for, maybe forever. And what we do is we say, okay, well, we start a timer, and she's maybe there, and I'm in this room, and we're going to pray in tongues for 10 minutes. 
And then one evening we were like in bed, oh, we haven't done it yet, okay, let's, and it's okay to set the timer and pray in tongues. You don't need to feel spiritual when praying in tongues, just a disclaimer, okay? And we set a timer, we're going to pray. We were sitting next to one another there in the bed, and we're going to pray. And I remember feeling a bit awkward praying loudly now in front of her. I was like, oh, man, I should have brought Jesus in sooner. And now we need to break through. And we'll probably do it a lot more. Like, we're going to pray in time. We don't need to shout it, but get comfortable with our Christianity. I went off a rabbit trail there. Sorry. Anyway, when Satan speaks with your own thoughts, I don't want to, you know, when you have these thoughts, I don't want to advance the king. It's not that blatant, but you know, these sorts of, I don't want to do that thing. I don't want to serve there. I don't want to move there. I don't want to stay here. We all want to move. We all go, oh, wow, really? What if God wants you to stay in bloom? You know, you've got these thoughts. Recognize that this is the devil trying to distract you. And sometimes it's your own thoughts, yes, but I just want to throw a big blanket over it and we just need to take everything on. Whether it's the devil, whether it's your own thoughts, I don't know, and to one extent I don't care, we're taking it on. You know what I mean? Because now people, and I've seen people do this, well, y'all, it's not always the devil, so sometimes, stop being passive and take it on. And even maybe as I'm speaking, well, y'all, Paul, maybe theologically, you're missing maybe the, look, we can speak about the theological accuracy once we actually move forward. And that's probably the worst thing for me, and, I, and I've, I've fallen into this a lot. You can ask Adams. <laughs> now, I get all technical, and we need to be precise and correct. And then I think, I remember once getting quite like frustrated. Lord, we're not doing everything exactly correct, and it should actually be like this. And this guy preached, and he said this, and it wasn't correct. And I felt the Lord saying, when last did you lead someone to Jesus? And I was like, I can't remember. And, he, and I, I felt him like rebuke me. Like, okay, well, take your theology and chuck it out the window, and do the stuff. And I was like, okay, Lord, I'm sorry. I can have the best theology, and people still go to hell. We need to have good theology, you know, believe me, I'm probably the one guy that always says that. But that thing, even the devil comes and says, make sure you've got good theology. The devil doesn't care if you've got great theology, but people go, you know what I mean? Something flew in my eye, I don't know what I mean. <laughs> and thoughts like, what about me? When are, when are they going to recognize me? You know, or, you, you know, people want, don't want me there. Now, I'm sure we've all have, the, uh, have had this. There's a, a bride or something, and you didn't get invited. <laughs> I've had it many times. Right? We're, many times. I know, you know, who wouldn't want me there? Right? It doesn't make sense. <laughs> now, get behind me. <laughs> yeah. No, but in that moment, what's the thought you have? Oh, man, they don't love me. They don't want me there. And I, I'm just the one that no one wants at the, the bride. I'm the, that is the voice of the devil. Man, you need to take that thing on. Say, no. Get behind me, Satan. I will not listen to this voice. Recognize it and address it. You know, thoughts like, I'm just a failure. I'll never be able to do that. Why not? You think God is so weak that he can't use you? Honestly. And to one extent, yes, we are all failures. That's the point. But Jesus paid for that to redeem it. Jesus paid to redeem us, to come and heal us, to restore us. So don't just get stuck on I'm a failure. Move forward to what God has for us, man. It's not like on the cross. It's like finally everyone knows how bad they are. 
Knowing that you're bad is the start. Because now I know I need Jesus. And I need grace. But then he comes and he restores. And then he comes and he speaks identity over us. Then he comes and he says, you are loved. You are called. You've got a purpose. He wants to use us. There's plans and callings. Move forward. Don't get stuck. And we even use the humility excuse. I just want to be humble, man. No, that is self-pity. Paul writes like, (laughs) oh, Peter, sorry, I was looking at you. Paul writes in the Bible and says, I am an apostle. You're thinking, Paul, you're you're a bit uh, prideful there, eh? You know, isn't it? If I go around and ask you, what what has God placed in your life? Well, you know, I just want to serve, you know. It's great, but oftentimes that's just self-pity. Looking at can swing to the other extreme, you know, like, what is God calling you? Oh, the Lord's called me to change all, every nation. I'm like, okay, just, uh, <laughs> maybe bring it down a bit, you know. This, this tight rope, the devil just tries to knock you off the whole time. Self-pity pride, self-pity pride. You know, it just knocks you the whole time. <laughs> yeah, it is. And then you, you realize that you're prideful, and then you go sit in a corner like, I'm so prideful. Man, recognize that the devil is attacking you. Say, no, get behind me, Satan. I will not listen to this. Like, and I hope some, some of you guys get uncomfortable, because you need to. You need to address the demons in your life. You need to say, get behind me, Satan. I will not listen to you. No, lies like, there's no forgiveness for me. Now, yes, there's maybe forgiveness for some things, but that thing I did, there's no forgiveness for that. Jesus can forgive everything. You know, then there's people say, oh, well, what about the unforgivable sin? And, you know, the, the unforgivable sin is you not receiving forgiveness. Just to summarize, I'm not going to get theologically about it. You actively pushing away Jesus, you pushing away the very thing that wants to and is going to save you. So that's, you know, that makes sense. You cannot be saved from the very thing that's going to save you, okay? But other than that, I don't care what you did. God can save and forgive you. And you need to know that. And you need to process that. And you need to deal with that. Because the devil will say no. And you have the thoughts, but I can't bring this into the light. What are people going to think? No one's going to look at me the same. I'll bring some of it into light, but this one thing. I can't bring that into the light. I can't confess that thing. I don't want to hurt my loved ones. That's even an excuse. What if I hurt my family? What if I hurt my wife if I bring this into the light? Look, I would suggest share it with a leader first so we can process, you know, process the things well. But there is nothing God cannot forgive. And that is a lie straight out of the pit of hell. Do not listen to it. I'm his uncle, just saying. <laughs> the thoughts like they'll o- always overlook me. Oh, what about this? I'll just be on this medication forever. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to tiptoe around this one. Look, I believe there is space for medication like antidepressants. And, uh, and honestly, I think it's very helpful for some, right? And I think when you use it, it does get you out of a pit, or it's supposed to, if you do it right, you know. But then the point is for you to fight forward. 
I don't, I don't mean this in a condescending way, but again, Jesus didn't stand there on the cross saying, I paid it all, here's the antidepressants. I'm not against it, don't hear what I'm not saying, but it's not like it's been around for 2,000 years even. It's, it's fairly new compared to 2,000 years. Now, I'm not, if you want to get off your medication, speak to your doctor first, speak to leaders, do it well, don't be hastily. I know great friends of mine that are leaders in church that are on antidepressants and they will never go off it that, for them because they feel God has given them this to deal with it and they've got faith for that. That is great. I don't mind. But the devil just wants to take the depression pull forever, you know, just, oh, you're just, you're just a failure. You just got this disease or you got this thing and you got this thing. And then you start to, you know, maybe I am, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a failure. I mean, I, you know, and people start speaking things over you. You know, when I was in, in Isle of Man now, the one, I was fiddling with my arm and the one lady said, oh, it looks like you've got ADHD because you're showing, showing these symptoms and these. And I remember thinking, like, maybe I do, maybe I don't, but I'm, man, I'm going to work on this thing and I'm going to move forward. I'm not going to listen to the lies of the devil. And if I do need the medication, sure, I'll try and get it. And I'm trying, you know, see, I'm walking a bit of a tightrope here. But that is also a lie from the devil. You'll just always be on this. It's just going to get worse. And you'll never function on what God has for you because you're on this medication. That thing is a lie. Maybe you are on medication. Maybe you can't do anything about it. That's fine. But God still wants to use you. You know, you, the devil says, no, you're just broken. Now, you, you've gone through too much in your life. Now, you're just going to sit with this limp for the rest of your life. And I, uh, I can see I'm stepping on some toes here. Sorry, I don't. But man, we need to take this on. We need to fight forward. In our ideal world, I would enjoy everyone being off of antidepressants. It's just me, if I, if I could, you know. If, if I could have a way of, of figuring something out that we can all just get off it and really believe what God says in our lives. Now, I know there's some chemical aspects to it. Ideally, I would like that. And I would want everyone to walk in freedom. And if you can't, try your best. But believe what God says in your life. Believe the identity He speaks over you. Don't let self-pity suck you in. If that caused issues for you, you can chat to me afterwards. So what do I do when I recognize the voice of the devil? So firstly, this is a... Um, let, let me first say this. Don't mistake accountability with Satan. Don't get those two mixed up. If Peter tells me, no, the Lord told him he needs to go and plant a church in this town, and as elders, we're like, yeah, Peter, we're not sure. We don't think this is God. Don't go, well, get behind me, Satan. I'll listen to God alone. And no, no. So don't, we need to be accountable. Because I don't care how great we, you think you are or how great I think I am. I need accountability. I need... Now, for Peter, it was Jesus himself saying, no, that's the voice of the devil. But that thing is in us all. And remember, he takes a good thing. Will Murray always used to say, if God, if the devil can't take you out, he'll put the foot on the accelerator and watch you burn out. Right, so he can even take something good. Oh, church plants and this and that, and, that, and then you burn out. You got to hear the Lord in this. We, you know, 
Maybe let me not use Peter as an example. <laughs> yeah, Andre, are you married? <laughs> so let's say before he was married, he, he came to me, and he's like, oh, there's this girl I like, right? You know, but not Valet, you solid. But, yeah. and, and he's like, no, but the Lord told me it's my wife. But the lady's not even saved, right? Yeah, 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 don't do that. The Bible is clear that don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. There is clear scripture. You can, even if you're struggling, you, now you're sitting there, I don't agree with Paul because of this and that, but what if that person gets, the Bible says it, do it. Because <laughs> you see what's happening now is the devil is trying to know, but Paul doesn't understand. Even when I men- mention stuff of the anticipation, he doesn't understand what I'm going through. He doesn't know what it's like. That is the devil trying to distract you again. Recognize that and say no. Uh, the story of the accountability says, guys, this is what I think God says. And if we're like, mm, look, the Bible is quite clear about this one. It's not just our opinion. The great thing would be then to not go to the lady and say, get behind me, Satan, but to go, okay, I'm going to lay this down. I will not do this. Because I don't know, for the married couples, I don't know if you knew, but you're not going to be married in heaven. Right? So marriage is a great thing, but it's temporary for this life only. Look, I love my wife. She's great, really. And I'm sure she's going to say the same. Yes. Okay. Right. But when she struggles with stuff and when I struggle with stuff, I, don't, I shouldn't get offended because we're, we're in this to help one another get to the finish line. Once we're there, she's Jesus's and I'm Jesus's. She's mine, but she's also not mine. She's the Lord's first. Okay, so how do I deal with this? You've got to put on the armor of God. Ephesians 6, let me read it first. Verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Everyone say that with me. Be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Not... <laughs> put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. We need to take a stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of the evil in the heavenly realms. And I've, I've, I've said this many times, our wrestle is not against flesh and blood, it's against the enemy, Satan, and his minions, and his army, and however that works out. That is our battle. That is our enemy. That is the one that we take on. And it's clear, the Bible says our struggle, there is a struggle. He says our struggle is not against creation, but our struggle is against this enemy. So watch even the devil would even come and want to give you this overly confidence, like, well, the devil can't touch me. Watch out. Stand, but put on the armor of God. The point of armor is knowing that this thing is going to protect me and I need it for defense. Is there, uh, verse 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be ab- able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt, uh, sorry, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel, in addition to all this, take up your shield of faith with which you extinguish all the flaming arrows from the evil one. 
take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And I'll do verse 18 at the end. So the seven armors, the seven armor pieces. Anyone say there's only six? Okay. So there's six, but I'm, I'm, I added another one. And I'll show you what I mean just now. <laughs> Number one, the belt of truth. We need to, you know, I want to just quickly run through this. Because it's one thing, have you ever heard of the armor of God? And then you even got a little song, and maybe in the morning you like, put on your belt, and you put on your helmet. But what does it mean? Because <laughs> I don't want to just do the thing and it doesn't mean anything. What does it mean to put on the armor of God? The first one, the belt of truth. Truth holds all things together. The belt is the thing that holds everything in place, that everything attaches to the belt now, I can go into some, a lot of detail, but one of the things, if you read some of the commentaries, one of the things that, if you look at the Greek there, if you look at the Greek there, is that it actually um, suggests a leaning towards your, uh, your sexual identity, all right? all right? If you want to learn more, you can chat with me afterwards, but, like, I need to know the truth. I need to stand on the truth, and this means you need to be speaking truth over yourself. Now, you, you need to read the Bible and get to know the Bible so that you know what the truth is. But I'm going to put on this, this belt of truth and believe truth. Even if you need to get a little list of things that Jesus speaks over you. You know, you get some scriptures of your identity. Initially, I was like, oh, it's a bit cringy. But really, get a little list. Paste it on your cupboard and in your car and recite it every morning. Do what you need to do to believe the truth. Because now what happens? The devil goes like, oh, that's a bit cringy. That's a bit awkward. You don't want to be like those prosperity guys that just speak truth over. Why not? Jesus does it. He speaks truth over you. So speak truth and speak truth over others. Man, like if you see someone, if Peter starts saying stuff like, oh, I don't know this. No, don't believe that. that is a lie, man. Come on, we're speaking truth over you. And that's the point. We cannot do this alone. We need one another to say, come on, no, that is the voice of the devil. Don't listen to that. Speak truth. The second one, the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate guards your heart from sin. You know, the, it's the breastplate of righteousness, meaning I'm in right standing with God. And it's interesting that righteousness, meaning right with God, right, just to keep it simple, is here where your heart is. The Bible says, guard your heart above all things, right? Obedience. The way we put on the breastplate of righteousness is to obey God, to say, Lord, I will do this. I'll follow you. I'll listen to you. Now, you keep things in the light. Now, your conscience is clear. Number three, the shoes of the gospel of peace or readiness. I want to read that again. Um, verse 15 and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace I always used to think like if I put my gospel shoes on I need to go and share the gospel did you know that's not what it actually means it's just you know I hope I didn't offend anyone <laughs> that you maybe quote that every morning, like, I'm putting on my gospel shoes, I'm going to go share the gospel. You need to share the gospel, but it's, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to stand. That's what the readiness means. Because the whole passage here is to stand 
is to take a stand. And I put my shoes on, and the readiness is not to share. The readiness is to stand. And the gospel of peace, meaning there's peace between me and God and between me and one another. So what does that mean? Remind yourself of the gospel. If you want to evangelize to anyone, evangelize to the guy in the mirror. Remind and do evangelize. But remind yourself of the gospel, man. Remind yourself what it means. That Jesus paid for you. And he came to restore you. Remind yourself of these things. And he came to bring peace. But not just with you and him, but with us, with one another. Number four, the shield of faith. What is faith? It is, uh, can you put on Hebrews 11? Um, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were uh, commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. And, And faith is this uh, other translations like a confident assurance. Now, the shield you use is this, I know God can do this. I know God is bigger than my enemy. I know God is bigger than this situation. That is faith. And you need to keep the shield up saying, you know, God is bigger. God is better. And whenever the arrows of the, the devil comes, she's like, no, God can. God can. Man, God can do everything. And I, you guys need to know this this morning. Everything in your life is father filtered. Nothing can happen to you without God allowing it. I know that is like a, I can't believe you just said it, but we need to know. Lord, even the tough things I go through. You know, you look at Job, 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 Job. <laughs> Very Bloemfontein of me, thank you. You look at Job. The, the devil comes to God and says, can I test Job? Can I do this? And what does God say? You can do this, but not this. And then the devil couldn't do it. There's certain things he couldn't do. Now, this is a whole five-hour preach on its own. I'm not going to go down there. But you can know that God is in control, man. Have faith. Stand, that, you know, stand on that truth that God is bigger. It's, we almost need to have this holy arrogance. It's like, man, God can. I'm, I'm going to have faith. And I'm not, it almost feels silly to me that I need to clarify this. But don't be stupid. You know what I mean? Like standing on a building, I've got faith. And, you know, faith, be realistic, but faithful. Like, man, God can in what He says. And when He says it, I can't just make, you know, I can have faith when God said it. I can't have faith for something I said. Does that make sense? I can't conjure something up in my head. Well, God said he wants to give me all things, and I want a car, so my fourth car, though. But, you know, it's like, no. But what do I have faith in? That he's going to come one day, and he loves me, and he's got a calling and a plan and a purpose for me, that I'm elected, that he has predestined me, all these things. I can have confidence in that, that he is bigger than the devil. He has come to set me free. Those are the truths that I stand on with faith. Number five, the helmet of salvation. You know, uh, a while ago, we, well, it was quite a big while ago, we did this thing, all the men in church, we did the Conquer series. I don't know if you guys remember it. It was about purity. And the guy that did the course, we watched on the video, he's like this old army guy. And he always used to walk in, and he used to say this, Money, gentlemen, 
the battle is in the mind. You know, he, 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 he said it like that every time. I remember laughing. But it is. The battle is in the mind. And, like, and we need to take our thoughts captive. We need to be front-footed. And we need the helmet of salvation. Now, salvation means that, yes, God saves us, but he's also busy saving us. And that busy saving is he's renewing our mind. Now, Romans speaks of, uh, Romans 12, uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, Colossians, um, I don't think I gave you the Colossians once, but set your mind on things above. Whatever is holy, whatever is you know, good, all these things, set your mind on things above. Number six is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's the only thing that's like an offensive weapon or also a defensive weapon. So you can, you know, when, and that's what Jesus did, right? The devil came to Jesus and said, he tempted him three times in the wilderness. And Jesus used the scriptures, he used the Bible as a defensive thing. No, but the Bible says this. No, but the Bible says this. And you can do that. If you actually start to get to know your Bible and the devil starts to accuse you, starts to say things, you can say, no, but the scripture says this. I will not believe that lie. But that means you got to read the Bible, right? And also on the other side of it, it's not just the, it is the written word of God, but also we need to hear the Lord's voice. He says, my sheep hear my voice. And it won't go outside of the Bible. We know this. We don't need to teach this every Sunday. But we need to hear the voice of God. As, as a church, we believe you can hear God's voice because that's what the Bible says, by the way. And you should be, not audibly, but it's just something of, you know, Lord, I want to hear you and hear you speak and I know. And then the seventh one, the seventh one, where you were thinking, what, what's Paul on about? In verse 18 of Ephesians, it says this, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Man, prayer. Yeah, I think it's that extra, I don't, I'm not adding to the Bible or something, but just a, just a verse after that. It's the armor of God, but pray in the Spirit on all occasions. What does pray in the Spirit mean? I think it means tongues and you hear what God wants you to pray. I don't think it's just tongues, although I slightly lean towards that. But we need to be praying in tongues on all occasions. We need to be praying in general on all occasions. All kinds of prayers even, this says. Praying. If you feel attacked by the devil, man, pray in tongues. Or just pray normally if you don't pray in tongues. But pray. Come against the thing. Now you, and when I say pray, don't sit there on the couch with a little blanket. I know it's winter and I'm just going to pray. Now, sometimes I do that. I'll sit and I'll pray. But at times if I feel like, no, no, I need to stand, I'll walk up and down in the spare room and I'll pray because I'm taking a front-footedness. I'm taking a stand. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to fight the enemy. Sometimes you need to physically do it because how, how many times do you, have, honest, be honest with yourself. Sometimes if you stand up and you're praying and you're like, yes, Lord, come and you're like praying, you know, you, you almost get excited because you're standing and you're fighting versus yeah, Lord, you know. I'm fine with sitting and uh, that, that's not the point. But if the devil is, if you're on the floor and the devil is kicking you, don't just lay there like, stand up and fight. As I thank you for a job. Yes. 
this. And the, the last two things. What do we do when we recognize the voice of the devil? Firstly, what did Jesus do? He rebuked the voice. He said, get behind me, Satan. He recognized, but he rebuked it. He said, no, I will not listen to this. This is Satan. <laughs> Sorry, okay. <laughs> no, recognize it and rebuke it. Whether it's just your thoughts, whether it's, look, if it's someone saying something, you maybe be a bit gentle. Right? And especially, husbands, I'm saying this. If your wife says, go and take out the trash, or, get behind me, say no. Don't, you can't do that. That is wrong. Maybe she should be saying it to you. But address those thoughts, man. We're going to take it captive. And another thing is come in the opposite spirit. This is like a general thing we, um, if we, when we ever chat to people, if we're struggling with stuff, is come in the opposite spirit. So if someone didn't invite you to a party, to a bride, and you hear about it and you kind of want to go, and you kind of assumed you would have been there, right? Because you're in the, you know. Instead of going, poor me, come in the opposite spirit, you know what? I'm going to invite myself. <laughs> I'm serious. You're thinking like, every, Afri every Afrikaner here is now like, no, I cannot invite myself. What do you mean? <laughs> and that's a good thing. Because now you're sitting there, but no, I don't want to invite myself because why? Because I'm going to be in the way and maybe they don't want me there. Uh, look, if we're a family, there's always space for one more. Now, we've had times where we, we have a movie night and we kind of invite a couple of people, but oh, it's always, if you hear about it, you can come. Sometimes we, we, we've got a small house. We can't put it on the group for everyone to be there. But if you hear about it, you can be there. It's not exclusive. I wish I had like this massive room in my house and we can have movie nights for everyone. But you see, now you're starting to wrestling, but I don't want to invite my, I don't want to go in the opposite spirit, break through. And look, ask them. If they say, yo, we're actually quite full already, sorry, it's fine. But you took it on. Not them. You took on the lie. You took on the self-pity. You know, if you don't get invited to a leaders meeting, what do you do? <laughs> I'm not sure, they're not recognizing. Ask. Now Peter does it so well, and I always ask. <laughs> and there's times where, no, nah, sorry, bro, we just uh, want to chat about something so we can't join the elders meeting. But he asked, and he's securing it, you know what I mean? So he's not gonna, poor me, poor me. But take it, go in the opposite spirit. If you're sitting at home and you feel like, it feels like God doesn't love me, it feels like, you know, I'm a failure, you know, I, I did this thing. And that. How do you come in the upper spirit then? Because that's probably the big thing. You stand up and you pray. And you start saying, God, thank you that you love me. Thank you for this. And you start thanking and you start worshiping. You put a worship song. You go into the presence of God instead of running away. Come in the opposite spirit. Man, we need to be playing worship songs left and right. And in your car, you know, someone drives in front of you. And you, I don't know, put Waymaker on or something. Just, you know, but we need to start praising God more. We need to say, Lord, we'll go in the opposite spirit. We'll not just sit and let the devil kick us. You know, someone said the best defense is a good offense, right? So instead of just getting backed into a corner and just, Lord, just help me, take the devil on, man. Move forward. Let's pray. <laughs> the worship team, you guys can come up. I want us to respond with a song. Um, but before we do that, 
Now, and I, I think that maybe there's some of you here, maybe there's some of you here that, uh, well, actually, let's all stand. I see you guys are all a bit tired. Let's stand. I'll pray for us now. <laughs> I, know, I know I've been going on quite long, but it does feel like this is a crucial message for us. Man, to stand and to fight. It's something that as a church we are terrible at, to be honest. Man, let's stand and fight. But this morning, I want to make an opportunity for you if you do not know Jesus. I don't, I don't want to just move on. No, it's great to hear me saying, stand and fight and believe the gospel and know that Jesus loves you. But if you are not a born-again Christian this morning, you're gonna, you need to get to the starting point. And the starting point is coming before Jesus and saying, Lord, I give you my life. I surrender all to you. And if you're here this morning and you've never, maybe you've grown up in a, a Christian household or this is the first time you're in church or maybe you've even backslidden. But if you're here this morning and you've never, out of your own decision, say, Lord, I choose to follow you. I choose to bend the knee in front of Jesus. This morning there's an opportunity for you to say, Lord, I need a Savior. And if that's you and you want to for the first time say, I want to give my life to Jesus. However that looks, I'm not sure. But maybe the Lord is tucking on your heart. Maybe even as I was sharing, you say, you know what, I want this. I want this freedom that He speaks of. I want to be able to say, no, I believe what Jesus says. If it's you, why don't you stick up your hand? I want to pray with you. If you want to for the first time say, Lord, I give you my life. And you can stick it up quite high, I'm sure, I can't see it. Is there anyone? Okay, that's fine. If you do feel the Lord tucking on your heart, chat to someone. Recognize, because I'm sure there's some of you guys standing there. Maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. What's people going to think? That's the voice of the devil. Go to someone and chat to them. Pray with me. All you need to say is pray with me. They'll take it from there. The guy that prays for you will ask you the questions. Don't worry. Just take that step.